You're listening to the Power of Journaling podcast. Journaling has been scientifically proven to speed healing, increase productivity, reduce stress, anxiety, and depression, and improve creativity. Thank you for joining journaling.com as we explore all things journaling. Hello, everyone. This is Rebecca Kokenderfer with journaling.com. Our topic today is clearing clutter as a sacred act. And our special guest is Carolyn Kenline. Carolyn, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Rebecca. Carolyn is a certified journal therapist. She's a licensed psychotherapist, a personal coach, and the creator of the Gentle Approach Coaching. She specialized for 27 years in supporting people in clearing clutter from their homes, their heads, their hearts, and schedules to make room for what matters. I love that description, Carolyn. Carolyn has written three books, uh, Confronting Your Clutter, a children's book called The Bear's Gift, and her newly released book, Clearing Clutter as a Sacred Act. And Carolyn, thank you so much for sending me a copy of your beautiful book. I'm holding it in my hands right now, and the watercolor illustrations inside, inside are so lovely. I so envy your ability to do that. <laughs> well, it was really fun for me to get to include those illustrations, and I I think that they really express some things that maybe couldn't be totally expressed through words. Um, I, I like to think that they help you feel uh, sort of comforted and like you're going to be yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, that is exactly the feeling that I got from the book. Is you know, sometimes it's so intimidating, this whole, I don't know, shame around the idea that I have clutter. Oh, and yeah. then I picked up your book and I just felt good. I felt peaceful and it felt gentle. And I thought, oh, okay, this person's a nice person, this author. She understands. It was just lovely. Oh, thank you so much. That's exactly what I was hoping. I'm really trying to activate, you know, your own self-compassion and kindness for yourself as you go through the process. I, one of my favorite parts is um, your poem about, it's called My Journals. I thought that was so lovely, where you wrote about how you had all of your journals in this brown box in the garage, and oh, yeah. how, you had a, yeah, how you had a sacred ceremony where you finally discovered, you know, decided that you were, it was time to let those go. So you ripped a page out of each one of them. Didn't you go to the beach? You kind of blessed and burned that page, and then well, and I read, and I read the journals. <laughs> and, and it was just random pages I tore out, and I wow. read those pages uh, before burning them. And then the rest I had professionally shredded. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite powerful, and really, you know, it's not like I would I would encourage everyone you've got to get rid of your journals, but but I was trusting my own timing and yeah. writing a poem about all the mixed feelings was part of that process. There's so much angst around clutter. I know, for example, I don't like clutter. It's just as part of my personality. For me, mm -hmm. my energy goes to it and it drains me. But my son, he doesn't view things as clutter. For him, he feels loved by having all of his favorite things mm -hmm. around him. So, yeah. I mean, do we have to be clutter-free? Oh, absolutely not. And, and, you know, what's clutter and what's not clutter is really subjective. I think it has a lot to do with how it makes you feel and does it get in the way of your functioning and does it uh, bring you energy or does it drain your energy? And of course, you know, when we get into the world of interpersonal relationships and people sharing spaces, you know, 
is it a big bone of contention with your loved ones that you've got so much stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, that which leads naturally in. I'm, I'm lucky my husband and I both don't like clutter. But oh, that's what helpful. You do? Yeah, it is like, but what do you do if you don't like clutter, but the other person finds it nurturing or they don't care or it doesn't bug them? <laughs> what do you do? Well, you know, that's not a simple question. <laughs> that's 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 a, a communication, uh, caring about each other. I mean, wars are fought over this sort of thing, right? You know, uh, different ideas about how we should be occupying those spaces. Um, and it really is about um, trying to understand each other and caring about what's going to make, make each other happy and making sure that, for instance, your son has some space where he's able to just really make it the way he likes it. Yeah. And you're able to have some space where you really get to make it the way you like it. And then wherever there are shared spaces, um, then there's some compromise that needs to go on. And maybe that's why your approach is a, a sacred act. Because that loving communication with the other person, you know, what are your thoughts and feelings about this? This makes me feel this way. But that that empathy and that caring with each other, that's pretty beautiful. It is. It is. And of course, if you're trying to work this out with somebody who is very close-minded and doesn't care how you feel, you're only going to get so far. But if you can put it in the, in the context of we love each other. We want each other to be happy. This could be a creative dilemma for our family to work out. Um, then it becomes more interesting and more possible to come up with positive solutions. How would you describe your approach to clutter clearing? Well, and how do you define clutter, too? Well, okay. I, I say it's clutter if it drains your energy and gets in your way distracts you from your priorities, and it doesn't have a real place in your home or your life. So those are kind of my, my, my criteria. You know, is, is this giving me energy or is this draining my energy? And that's interesting because that's how I, that's my own experience with it, but I didn't realize. Can you say uh, those things again? You yes. said it's, you, you would count it as clutter if it drains energy, mm-hmm. drains your if energy, gets, if it gets in your way. And that might be because it's so disorganized or there's just too much of it or it's all mixed up together, but it gets in your way. It distracts you from your priorities, Mm. which, of course, implies that you've got to get clear about what your priorities are. Well, talk a little bit about that, please. Yes. Yes. So, for example, let's talk about schedule clutter because that's a kind of clutter. And maybe a lot of your time is going into committees you've been on for a million years, but you don't really have juice for anymore. And so you kind of got to update and say, that is no longer my priority. I might need to let go of some of these to make room for some things that are more important to me now. And that can also be true with like props for activities you don't do anymore. Maybe it used to be a priority. Maybe it used to be important to you. But, I mean, the, like the yoga mat, but you're not really doing yoga anymore. Exactly, right. Or the pair of skis, and now yeah. you've had two knee operations or something. So, yeah. you, it, And it's like updating that sense of, well, who am I now, and what will support me now? And does it have a real place to be in my home, in my schedule, in my life? Or am I just setting it to the side because I can't think of what to do with it? 
Let's talk some more about schedule clutter, because I've never heard that phrase before, but that's how it feels sometimes <laughs> yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, yeah, and it can happen because you say, you know, you're just an, a nice person who says yes to too many things, or maybe you're living your life around other people's crises, <laughs> um, and you're not really stopping to get clear about well, what are the important things that deserve real chunks of time in my schedule? And it's real easy for our our time to just get sort of used up in ways we didn't mean for it to. So all of this is about finding ways to step back and really see, well, be courageous enough to look at what's really going on here. I have noticed that like even scheduling, somebody else, they might have a lot of things on their schedule and it isn't clutter for them. But for okay. somebody else, it might be too much. So isn't that interesting that there's no set rule, no set definition as to what counts as a cluttered schedule and what does not? Exactly. And that's, that's right. It's so personal. And like for me, I notice if I don't have a certain amount of spaciousness in my day, like a little space around things, a little space between things, I start getting irritable. And I'm not, I don't produce as well. I don't interact as well. So I have to take seriously that for me, a little bit of spaciousness in my schedule isn't a, a frill. It's, it's a needed thing. <laughs> it's necessary. A lot of uh, journalers are introverts, not all, but certainly more than 50%. And mm-hmm. so, so for many journalers, they may need that, that spaciousness Absolutely. in their day. And that's, you know, uh, journaling is a really big part of my clutter clearing process. At least for people who are open to journaling and like writing, just brief focus processes. But um, it's a wonderful way to stop and check in with yourself all along the way. You know, check in with your, your wiser voices, your inner wisdom, just even to ask a question you're confused about. And really bring your full focus to it and just try answering it for five minutes. Like, what should I do with this thing? Uh, is it time to let this go? Lots, lots and lots of different um, journaling processes. But sometimes it's that simple, just asking a question and seeing if you can answer it. Oh, I like that. I'd like to go into more detail about that, too. But you've kind of got my attention about these different ways of clutter. Because um, like many people, I'm aware of Marie Kondo's tidying up style, you know, yes. and that seems like that's a, a type of clutter for, you know, a thing kind of clutter or a physical type of clutter. But mm-hmm. in the, you know, in your author's bio for your book, you talk also about there's a home clutter, but there's also a head clutter and a heart clutter. So mm-hmm. can we take, talk a little bit about those too, because that's very interesting. Well, I think that often the things we end up you know, stashing in boxes and putting in attics and basements and covering our surfaces with, I think they often represent decisions we don't want to have to make and feelings we don't want to have to feel, sort of our inner confusion. And also, oh, it's so related to the fact that we have to go through so many changes and transitions and losses. And um, there's a lot of feelings we have about that. And Sometimes it shows up in our stuff, you know, um, 
that thing that represents uh, a profession that you no longer have or a relationship that's ended or a chapter of your life or a body size that you used to be. And so it's so interrelated with the whole human dilemma of what it takes to go through these kinds of transitions and the emotions that can get kind of stuck in the process and sometimes turning towards the object and really uh, giving it attention and saying a good goodbye can help you do a little grieving and moving on and freeing up some of that stuck emotional energy. Um, Is this making sense? Yes, it is. And I was just thinking how beneficial journaling is, too, because that's one of the reasons it's so powerful is it can help you identify head clutter that might be going on or heart clutter and what you want to keep and what it's time to let go of. Because often you have many different conflicting feelings, you know, like maybe you really want a clean and tidy home with more space in it, but you also want to be sure you don't forget these precious memories and you don't want to fill up the landfill, but you don't want your home to be the landfill, (laughs) you know, so stopping to sort of untangle some of that in your journal can be so helpful. And and really, it can be just like little five or 10 minute chunks of writing that a, a lot of clarity can come forward that really just helps the other parts of the process move so much more easily. So how, how do you compare your approach of clearing clutter as a sacred act with Marie Kondo's approach? You know, well, what, other, what, what do they have in common and how are they different? Because that might help our, our listeners. Yeah, there's a lot I really like about Marie Kondo's approach. Um, I, like, I like her, um, I think she says, uh, does this spark joy? Yes, I love that too. Yeah, I, I really think uh, there's something to that. Of course, there are a lot of things that we need to keep that don't necessarily spark joy, like tax records and stuff like that. Um, but um, these very these objects, you're, you're folding them with love and putting them away with care, kind of honoring the objects. And so she's really honoring that we're in relationship with our spaces and our things. And I, I really think that's a very helpful approach. Uh, where we differ is her method is, is pretty prescribed. You know, like you do this thing first, and then you do this thing, and then you do this thing. And then you fold your shirts a particular this way. A particular mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Mine is a much more, um, I'm much more interested in sharing some possible ways with you and then giving you tools for finding what's going to be your best way and your best pacing and your best way of discerning what's the next thing to work on. Because I think we're all a little bit different in that way. And the more you're really tuning into your inner guidance, the better this is going to go. And also, I have run into... A lot of people who, I've run into a lot of people who've been really helped by Marie Kondo's method, so I don't want to discount them at all. But I have also run into a lot of people that were kind of overwhelmed by her method. You know, like, well, if I get out all my clothes at once, I'm going to be just like so overwhelmed. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really into finding ways for people to break the project down into doable steps that make sense for them. Well, let's talk some more then. Can you give us some concrete examples of how you make clearing clutter a 
sacred act. Because let's be honest, I just moved states three years ago, and it's a daunting task. You know, moving, yeah, one house and one family to another one. And you can, you know, most people go to that nose, the grindstone type of approach or And all the wording around is like, oh, this is so hard. I'm really going to suffer through this. What if you didn't didn't have to suffer? Which is not to say that it isn't a big job. But what if you did turn it into something of joy or a, a, a sacred process to kind of ease the way? Why not? Exactly right. And you're right. It, it is a it's a big project. It's practically, physically, mentally, and emotionally a big project. And so you need all the help you can get. And I've it's interesting because the title for the book, Clearing Clutter as a Sacred Act, was one of these titles that came to me and I kept sort of pushing it away. I wasn't sure that was the title I wanted, but it, it really insisted. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like writing the book, I learned more and more what I meant by that. And what I what I mean by that is, um, first of all, if you're clearing clutter, what are you making space for in your life? And is there something meaningful to you that you could dedicate this process to? You know, maybe it's to God. Maybe it's to your kids. Maybe it's to um, Kuan Yin the goddess of compassion, maybe it's to your creative life, but something that infuses the process with meaning. So it's not just this dreary, oh, I've got too much stuff and I should get rid of a bunch of it. Um, And then along the way, uh, it, it really has a lot to do with how you're setting your intentions. And then there'll be these places along the way where your energy can flag or it can feel like too much. Yeah. And I have really learned that those are the moments when it helps me to stop and do what I would call a small small devotional act. And that small devotional act might be doing a little writing to my inner guides for help. Or it might be if I am clearing clutter for my writing life, and this is an example I have in the book. I talk about doing a little ritual of tending my creative space and cleaning it off and really setting it up beautifully just as a way of setting an intention towards the bigger project. What is that? You talk to, yes, you talk about setting up a creative space, but in your book, mm-hmm. you talk about soul spaces. Are those mm-hmm. the same things? Because well, you talk about soul spaces for children, for adults, for emerging souls. What do you mean by that? Well, basically, a soul space is any space where you feel like you can be totally yourself and where there's enough safety and inspiration for you to feel that kind of curiosity and um, inspiration and what wants to emerge. And so I think about children, how they find their special secret little spots to go where they can just be in their own dreamy self (laughs) and nobody else's eyes are watching them. And it might be, you know, a blanket fort or a little nook in a tree or something or a tree house. And then as, but as adults, you know, or young adults and, and, and in our current lives, we may have these special spaces for some people. It's a garden or it's their studio or just some place where they can feel like the energy, everything in that space is reflecting back to them 
who they are and what they care about. And so when we talk about dedicating a space or creating a dedicated space for something you want in your life, bringing that kind of intention like this space is going to really support me in being who I want to be and doing what I want to do. I know a lot of people have like special journal writing sacred spaces. Yeah. A a comfortable blanket, a comfortable chair, you know, a place to put their coffee or tea or, you know, to kind of set the mood, a can to kind of set the mood that this is a sacred act, a self-nurturing act I'm getting ready to become involved in. And, And don't you think that when you go through that of first setting up that kind of thing and then and then giving yourself those props and that those rituals, it kind of helps you go through that portal into that deeper connection with yourself where the voices you're going to hear are the voices that you can trust. I interviewed an expert last week, and she talked about how change happens outside of us, but transformation is what we make of us. Transformation happens on mm-hmm. the inside. And Absolutely. I, yeah, and your whole method, it is about if you're moving a house or decluttering, why not make it a transformational experience? Yes. And, you know, one thing that can be really uh, helpful, I think, when you're moving from one house to another is writing a letter to the house you're leaving and writing a letter to the house you're moving to. I love that idea. And even inviting letters back from them. You know, what really helps me, too, is because I was a little sad when I was leaving my house. So I would have just a little candle ceremony in each room, you know, and I was thanking it. And I would go through all the memories and I would say, oh, thank you for this room. I remember, Mm. you know, it was was kind of sweet, bittersweet. It was poignant, but it helped me release and to open myself up into the new experience that I was choosing. But even sometimes when we choose change, it doesn't always make it easy. No, no, change is Change is challenging. And so that was, I think, a huge act of kindness to yourself. And in honoring, it's like turning towards the house and honoring all it's meant to you as you say goodbye. Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of blessing it to have its, its next life. Carolyn, I have learned so much with this interview. I love your idea of, you know, there's home clutter, schedule clutter, head clutter, heart clutter. And they're all interrelated. Yeah, they're all interrelated. And how to use this journaling as part of the mindfulness process of Mm -hmm. getting in touch with what's clutter for us, what is not, and kind of blessing and releasing. It sounds really beautiful. It's beautiful, just like your book is. Thank you so much. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Well, I would say trust your own pacing. And your journal can help you do that. You know, it's so easy to feel like we should be further along than we are mm-hmm. with the process of clearing clutter. And it's so easy if you do clear a space to say, oh, but I haven't dealt with such and such. And, and I just find it really helpful to check in with your journal periodically and say, okay, I've done this. I'm going to take a little break. What's the next thing you think would be helpful? And if, you're, if your journal is kind of your clutter clearing companion, your wise guide in this. You can just hear what it has to say and and it'll help you connect to that part of you that knows what's right for deciding about next. I love that. Trust yourself, trust your own pacing and maybe focus on the positive too, that when you're cleaning, 
it's so easy to see all of the dirty rooms, but what about, oh, here's a clean room. Here's another clean room. Here's a box. Yeah. yeah. Focusing and on the and celebrate all the victories, all yeah. the large and small. Just stop and notice. That's wow. Wonderful. Yeah. Look at this space. Yeah. And that helps you, motivate you too. Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you, Carolyn. And listeners, thank you, too, for being with us. Wasn't this interesting? Wasn't this educational? So thank you so much. As together, we are once again exploring the power of journaling. Thank you for joining us. For more great information on how journaling can improve your life, visit journaling.com and pick up a free copy of our guided journal, 30 Days of Joy.